0: <laughs> hello, Steve. Hello, uh, I'm Bobby. Hi, Bobby. How are you? I'm all right. Um, <laughs> Bobby, come <laughs> come in here
1: and sit down. I've got have um, come into the science shed.
0: Hello. Okay. <laughs> how are you,
1: Bobby? You look like you're very happy. Oh,
0: I just had a bit of few beers. A few beers. Well, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> <laughs> so what's going on in here then? Because <laughs> I saw, I could hear you talking about (laughs) something and uh, it says the Science Shed. eh? Yeah, so the
1: Science Shed is a science podcast that comes Mm. out every two weeks Uh, and it's got two uh, university academics. uh, My name's Steve Lee, I'm a uh, chemist. Oh, what? I'm a chemist at oh, the right University yeah. of Cambridge like in boots exactly just yeah. like in boots <laughs> yeah. and uh, my colleague is Nick Evans oh, yeah. he's a bioengineer from the University of Southampton oh that's good isn't it well what do you guys do well here? you know like when you're in the pub Bobby yeah. like you were you're yeah. probably yeah. And a the of or early yeah. on. and there's someone <laughs> in, the s- <laughs> in the corner <laughs> of the pub that's yeah. kind of having a conversation they said something that kind of sounds interesting but you don't yeah. want to kind of eavesdrop
0: no but I have to keep myself to myself well exactly but sometimes those people
1: have quite interesting conversations don't they
0: yeah well well, that's Ooh. what the science shed is. So you sit down, <laughs>
1: you get yourself another pint, oh, right. and we'll carry. It, we'll we'll get on with it. How about that?
0: Oh, that'd be really nice. Okay, come on, then. Science shed. We're in the science shed. Science shed. We're in the
2: science shed.
0: Come on, Steve. Bunsen. Bertha. Dolly. Internal. Combustion. Why do we need? Oscar. Austin. Isaac. Newton. Constantine.
1: Listeners of Find Scientific Communication, Nick and I have been hard at work in the secret underground development uh, facilities at Science Shape Inc, trying to create new and innovative ways to communicate science and interesting things to you, and we've come up with Nerd Babble. So, Nerd Babble is an extended conversation uh, with one person who does an interesting kind of job and we're finding out a little bit about what it's like to be them and what their job involves. And this week we're speaking to a surgeon, Dr. David Gibbs, uh, who's telling us about what it's like to be a consultant orthopedic surgeon and uh, what his life and his day-to-day uh, things are. So hopefully you enjoy it. Um, and without further ado, I'll drop you
0: directly into the first edition of Nerd Babble. Steve, we've got, a, we've got a friend with us today. We've got a house guest. Oh, we have. Right. So my good friend, um, Dr. Dr. David Gibbs is with us. Dr. Dr. David Gibbs. Yeah, so I'll just say a bit about... That. So, Dave, he uh, can talk in a second because he's yeah. sitting right next to me looking <laughs> uncomfortable. But Dave, he's a consultant orthopedic surgeon. That sounds like a very grown-up job. He is, yeah. He's a proper uh, medical doctor does operations on patients on a regular basis Uh but he's also a massive lover of science well good and during his his kind of training to be a orthopedic surgeon he came into our labs and he was working um as a scientist wow trying to research new ways to to make bone for people he's a really um interesting chap, aren't you, Dave? It's nice to have you with us today. How are you? I'm very good,
2: thanks. Um, small correction, uh, you've kind of promoted me a little bit prematurely, so I'm not actually a consultant. I'm but when a, will you be a consultant? Well, I'll be qualified to be a consultant in the next couple of weeks, but that doesn't mean I'm Dude, actually... Dude, that's good enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> that's good I, enough I for it. me. I take it. I think good. we're splitting
1: hairs yeah. here. Well, hello, Dave. Hello. <laughs> so tell me tell me about like what it's like to be a surgeon.
2: Um interesting do you enjoy it yeah I, so I what kind of what kind of surgery do you do so at the moment the main most of the surgery i do is is trauma right. so around half of that is people with broken hips yeah so either fixing the broken hip or replacing the broken hip And so
1: this is this is Old people that their yes. hips
2: are worn out, or
1: or someone that's in a car accident and needs a new knee, or so, whatever. So, so
2: the vast majority of them are uh, are elderly people, right? right? S- sort of fragility fractures, uh-huh. and uh, predominantly women rather than men. Oh, really? So really? Why pe- is that? Um, it's mainly due to the fact that the um, women have a higher instance of osteoporosis, right? Um, secondary to the the menopause and reduced oestrogen, right? Um, but they so
1: oestrogen gives you denser bones. Yes. What's oh. osteoporosis?
2: Osteoporosis is a um, reduction a in bone mineral density. So your so bones get more brittle? Well, the, the, the bone mass decreases. So the bones
0: um, are less like, full of mineral and they break more easily? Yes, right. correct.
2: Um and so, so from from the age of about twenty one to twenty five, that's your po- your peak bone mineral density, and then I'm afraid it's downhill from there. Oh no! Really? So the majority. So how, how can you? Prevent I was wondering that?
0: why it was so hard to get out of bed the other day. <laughs> well, well, quite. Well, there's You're not having enough oestrogen in your know, diet, Nick. Oh, that's well, the trouble. I think my <laughs> chest would, would beg to differ.
2: <laughs> well, one. Th- so, so there's a, there's a couple of ways. So well, one is remaining active. Yeah. So bones are quite interesting in as much as the your bones are constantly remodeling. Right. And they remodel according to the forces um, upon them. So if you go up into space, for example, with yeah. zero gravity, um, you'll find that your b- bone deposition decreases and the bones absorb. How does that work? Like, how does the body know? What's the mechanism? So that? so that's a interesting question. So there, there is some mechanical transduction. Yeah. So within the bones, I think there's... Uh, uh, some electrical signaling right. I have to say the intricacies of which I I'm so aware of
1: you squeeze the bone and then you're creating right. some kind of voltage I believe so that. And, then
2: right. and then you're stimulating osteoblast you're, cells the bone forming cells to to, to to deposit Nick's looking like he wants th- to jump in so here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's quite a controversial area, actually so right. I, the, I think the main reason people understand that it works is in the bone you've got these kind of tiny networks of little canals yeah and cells are embedded in the matrix in the bone they're called osteocytes, and they have these long extensions which go out in these kind of So it's kind, so of, it's kind, of, it's kind of like
1: uh, what what would be a good analogy? So you've got like a kind of a, a kind of network, like a comb, like the middle of a um, crunchy, and the cells in the middle of in the holes in the crunchy. Is that right?
0: Yeah, kind of. Although it's a li- that's a little bit um, there's different types of bone, and people often use that analogy for the trabeculae, don't they, at the mm. tops of the bone? Right. Whereas these these are on a much sort of smaller scale, so they're smaller relative to the bone. Right. But I think that when you move your bones around, people think. Fluid gets pushed through these canals, okay. and the cells can detect it. But that's only a theorem. I don't think anyone actually knows. To be so, so,
1: but we do know that the we don't know why. But you know, if you basically if you if you go
2: out for a run, you, your bones stay denser, basically. Yeah, I think that, so. and the interesting thing is, I mean, the, I think it's named Wolf's law, isn't it? That the the um, bone responds to the mechanical stimulation upon it, and I think w- that was probably at least a hundred years ago that, that was it he, Heinz
0: Wolf, the dude from the Great Egg Race? because <laughs> I always I wondered li- what he said I like the
2: fact wife. that you that's what you make him <laughs> famous for he's
1: like a world famous astrophysicist <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, but, but going back to your in, initial question yeah. I mean, keeping active and then also a good diet so good right. intake of calcium vitamin D right. adequate sunlight which can be difficult in your
0: rainy environment I'm a yeah. quite a pale pasty person I like to stay inside a lot as and well can, so. do you
1: so can you like reverse those changes so say like so say you you know you move to the north the cold hard north and like it's all a bit dark and dingy and you don't get much sunlight like can you can you re-stimulate kind of bone density
2: by changing yeah, you, your diet you, and, you, and it, so. you can and there are treatments um the one of the main treatments is is a drug called bisphosphonates right and they um they inhibit the breakdown of the bone so uh-huh. you've got bone forming cells and you've got um Cells that break down the bone and and the the bisphosphonates yeah. in, inhibit these uh, these drugs that break the bone down. But interestingly, uh, recently there's a whole new group of fractures that you can get, which which we call a uh, bisphosphonate associated fractures. Yeah, because um, your so the architecture of the bone, i.e., the layout of the bone, is really really critical to how it functions mechanically. Okay, so, so I, I suppose it's a bit like having reinforced concrete trying to build a, a building if mm-hmm. you it's obviously very important how the metal bits are and how the concrete structure is. So with these drugs we're inhibiting um a population of the, the cells in the bone that normally break the bone down. Yeah. So the um you're you're changing the remodeling. So you you can end up um with weaker areas of the bone. Um and so we've we've recently known that you can get a, a special uh, a, a new fracture pattern that we hadn't previously seen is associated with a small number of people that are on these yeah. these medicines.
0: It's like doing the wallpaper isn't it you think you've got the wallpaper up and then a bubble comes up somewhere <laughs> else it's like another problem it solves yeah. a problem but then it creates some other little problem yeah. but, so, I think but the, the net the net result is. Yeah, yeah good but the here.
2: majority of people it's it's very very good.
1: So, so when you actually say so you're replacing a knee so my mm. dad had a knee replacement mm. about Two years ago because he played football as a kid and um, uh, didn't go to the doctors and didn't work out He'd broken his metatarsal uh, Not his metatarsal, his cruciate ligament hmm. um, but, uh, So when you do that, like, how long does it take start to finish? So like how long, how, how quick is it now? How routine is it, like these kind of operations? So now? I'd
2: say it's very routine. So there's about 70,000 knee replacements performed in England and Wales every year. Right. And the reason I can give you that number is every knee replacement done in England and Wales is recorded in the National Joint Registry. Right. So we know who's done it, where, what what, oh, what implant they've used. So is, and there like, you can know is there
1: like a kind of... Um... A kind of kudos, most uh, associated with other people that do it. They're like my ones last longer than yours, kind of thing. Well, yeah, yeah, pretty
0: pretty much. <laughs> so like I a remember. league table. Amazing. We, we, so yeah, like what, ev- what league th- are you in? Would you say you're in the Voxel, league two, com- Voxel conference, yeah. or Premier League, Championship? We, 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 there's
2: what you don't want to be <laughs> something called an outlier. So, <laughs> right. so, so essentially, they look at um, how many of the knee replacements you've done are still doing well. Right. Um, and what's the right. what's the expected lifetime of a knee replacement roughly? It it well. It depends slightly on the age of the person, but I I would say that you you you'd expect ninety five percent of them to still be doing well at around fifteen years. Okay, it's really good though, isn't but, it? But That's it, it depends slightly with say with hip replacement. It depends critically on how old the person is. That makes so, sense. So so if, if they're really old, like, yeah, you know, it's going to be less. So so, less so if, if you perform a hip replacement in someone who's maybe eighty, there's um. You know, at, at about ten years, there's only maybe a one to two percent chance that it will need to be revised. Right. Whereas if you perform a hip replacement on someone who's about the age of fifty-five, there's about a ten percent chance it will be revised at ten years, and which is predominantly due to the fact that those people are more active, so right. the implant wears is out subject faster. To more wear. Right. Right. So, how long does it take? So, so from start so from when
1: so the, is this like you know can I can I watch an episode of of like of TV and then
2: like by the end of it it's done or is y- it well there's yeah. a lot of setting up and right. then you've got the anaesthetic side of things so the patient is either asleep with a general anaesthetic or they have a spinal anaesthetic okay and he, 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 but it's both,
0: like an epidural like.
2: yeah so you're where yeah so you essentially you're injecting some anaesthetic some local anaesthetic around the the nerves in the yeah, in the spine so then um so that obviously takes an amount of time but from and then there's also setting up the patient and preparing so so washing everyone all the skin with an antiseptic but from actually starting the incision to finishing um it, it take me probably around an hour and a half an hour okay. 20 minutes to do it so you can all watch right. star face- wars you can watch face- star wars I don't know you could watch all of Star Wars in that time. Yeah,
0: you, I reckon you could Kind no. of as long, isn't it? Oh, maybe not the whole... Yeah, no, no, it's not... Yeah. not yeah. That's amazing, isn't it? Isn't that
1: amazing? Yeah, I mean, really how fast. long ago, when was the first time that someone replaced a knee? Like, how, how long have we been doing that for? I
0: don't
2: know about... Well, well probably hundreds of years, but I think the initial implants they used were things like ivory and other things that didn't work terribly well. Right. I mean, it's fair to say that the, the founder I mean, yeah, the modern of the modern day was, would be uh, Charnley, right um who is an interesting very interesting chap who really pioneered the the total hip replacement right and i think he initially tried with i believe it was teflon which wasn't terribly successful but then he he then used polyethylene and and metal Uh and he was really the 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 founder of 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 the modern day i always think it's
0: i always think it's crazy like because at some point someone you know that you've got a surgeon but you have to make a leap right So you have to go from one particular place to say, actually, well, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to chop off part of this bone and I'm going to jam in a massive piece of metal (laughs) into the bone. And then I'm going to hope that it goes, forms a thing in the socket and I'm going to like expect that to work. And it's kind of like... Isn't that amazing? You would be amazed if, you know, you could put a piece of metal in someone. like that. Well, think how hard it is to do experiments now, right?
1: The kind of ethics that you have to go through and like the committees and all these things, which is absolutely rightly so. But unless you had those pioneers that were just lobbing off legs and whacking in plastic bags and metal, like which is you know like you you would we probably wouldn't have it right. We probably, today if you said right, I'm going to take this 80 year old person and I'm going to experiment on a hip, you would say you're nuts, right? Like no way, this is not this is not
2: acceptable. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I think there are things that that fortunately were discovered in the past, which with the new regulations probably mm. the, the people wouldn't have been allowed to do that. And I think the interesting thing also with the hip replacement is that. Um, by chance they initially in one of the types of hip replacements um, made in uh, by extra research group they by chance started using a, a polished metal yeah. and then they moved to a matte metal yeah. and the results were radically worse. For the matte uh, metal? Y- yeah because um, they, they, they didn't know the rationale until later they realised that if you've got something that's very very smooth in surface then you get something called controlled subsidence so it gently gently sinks down into the cement um, right. whereas if you've got something of a Russian's, uh, a roughened surface, then you get sheer, you get localised higher forces acting, Right, and it so fails. Kind of, and and, and just, one kind of wonders whether, if they'd started off with the matte metal first, their initial would results have would have it. been terrible. Yeah, And then yeah, you yeah. kind of, and it was just by chance that that they happened to use the polish. Makes tube. you think there's all this stuff that we could be doing, that yeah. we, someone
1: did the bad experiment first, <laughs> doesn't it?
0: So, so Dave, right, you're a... So I met you when you came in the lab, and mm. you're a you're a surgeon. What we, so
1: Dave, just before he does this, what was your first impressions of Nick? What was he like? He's sorry, like that looks like a sorry excuse of a gentleman.
0: Oh,
2: I thought he seemed a fairly entertaining, knowledgeable, <laughs> cheerful man. Entertaining, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, carry on.
0: But you came in the lab and like because you come. I think that if you you work in surgery or you're practicing medicine and you come in. And then you're working in a lab right there's two things there's like a massive change of culture, probably, and there's also a change in the way that you do the work and the attitude to the work What was like the most what were the most striking changes that you kind of felt
2: I think one of the striking things was I think most people in a hospital um, and in a lab are generally helpful people, but I think in the hospital there's a lot more time pressure so in the hospital, I think that there's a lot of occasions where you'd want to help someone out but just due to the end time but you don't yeah. where I did find in the lab um, you'd ask someone a question or you'd ask for help and they'd come and sit at your desk for however minutes, long yeah. it took <laughs> yeah, yeah. and help you whereas in the hospital I think a lot of people would want to do that but there's no possibility of doing that there's within no their capacity. job roles because there's just no not much time flexibility well, that's really yeah, so that's a
0: nice thing then so you, you kind of can learn a lot oh, yeah, more yeah. easily no, I I th-
1: th- yeah how would you kind of categorise the two what would you say the kind of academic research versus kind of clinical um, experience.
2: What the? How? What would you? How are they different? Well, I think with um, with clinical work, it's normally fairly structured and fairly predictable. So you'll right. have a clinic, and you know you're going to see a number of patients. Most of them will have fairly common diagnoses, and you know that you'll kind of start right. certain treatment patterns. And then similarly, you're so you kind theater. of comfortable with what might
1: happen that day. Yeah, you know, so you, you know how your workload's going to be yeah.
2: more or less. And whereas in in the lab, um, I think it's a lot more unpredictable. So you may achieve a lot more than you felt in one day, but then equally you could spend a couple of weeks trying something and realise at the end of it you, you haven't really achieved anything at all. Yeah. yeah. Where, whereas in, in clinical work, w- w- whatever happens, you know you will have seen X number of patients and, and done your best and done a few theatre sessions. Whereas I think in the lab, it's... You, it's a bit more unpredictable. Yeah, it's unpredictable. And I, I think you have to learn to cope with um, I, I, I don't know about the phrase time wasted but you have to learn to to, to, to cope with the fact that f- things are a lot more unpredictable because by definition you're trying something that hasn't been done before totally. I mean I've said, it, I've said it before actually to Nick but it's a kind of it's a weird
1: job kind of academic research because you know 95% of everything we do fails Right, and if you if ninety five percent of the knees you replace didn't work, you wouldn't be in your job for very long. No, <laughs> right. not, not, not at all. No. Yeah. So but how
0: that, did you how yeah. did you like a, adapt? I mean, that that's a, a like a change. Like, was it was that a fun thing to you know to go from one to the other, or was it like did you find it harder? Or was I it, I loved it. I, loved th- I think it, the, yeah. the thing
2: that I'd have to say is that um, I was starting off on the on the bottom floor as a learner again. So so learning lab techniques yeah. and other techniques and, like, and and you have to kind of be. Do you do I think, do you that, ever think so, about that? I was I thinking the well, other day. i am like to go and like work in someone's
1: lab just for like a month, but in an area I haven't ever worked in before, just to learn how to do stuff.
0: You got to have some. I, I I remembered about you, Dave, when you were always kind of like. You you do get with respect a lot of clinical people who are kind of a little bit. Um, I don't know. What? Nick's There's gonna, a slight, Nick's, Nick's slight there. arrogance sometimes about right. some of them. And I wouldn't want to generalize that term. And I think a lot of people would think, you know, surgeons might be like sort of these high flyer type people right. who may, you know, have strong, have, to have very jokes. good self confidence. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Which, but Dave, of, Dave, which, which you're think, selected for, I think, right? Uh, you know, like yeah. if you
1: came in and the surgeon came in and like, to be honest,
2: I'm not really feeling myself today. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> but I don't know. I, I think that yeah. you were always kind of like, you happy with that situation i thought you well, were willing to
2: well that was why i um why i wanted to do the research but as far as i was concerned i was kind of going into a new place mm-hmm. and i was going to have to learn new skills and i yeah i i i think if i wasn't yeah. um happy with that i wouldn't have done it in of, the first place yeah yeah well, that's and what, really interesting
0: <laughs> what was the weirdest thing do you remember anything that was kind of like You just thought, I cannot believe this. (laughs) I think
2: one of the weirdest things was using, um, I think it was, was it herring... Herring
0: semen. Oh right, yeah, use yeah. To
2: quantify, <laughs> it's uh, sa- salmon sperm you use quite a
1: lot. In yeah. this. it's very rich in. Yeah. That's how you. A lot of the base pairs that are used in DNA sequencing. Yeah. So if you ever get kind of short DNA uh, yeah. uh, oligos synthesized, they nearly always because I can remember using
2: sperm. using that or reading about that in a protocol, and I yeah. thought it was like a practical joke. <laughs> I mean, I remember and, when.
0: Yeah, but yeah. I remember when I. I can remember when I started doing a PhD, and it was. You work with all kinds of weird things, like, you say, salmon sperm or herring sperm, but also, like, horse serum. Do you know what I mean? And, like, you know, it the spittle like... of a frog. <laughs> the toxin phloidin we use, which is, like, the venom or some kind of poison from a fungus, yeah. which is just an average, average work-a-day type reagent. But they are all these weird, extravagant things. I thought that was cool. Eye odd. of mute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah so you 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 enjoyed your search you found out uh, quite a lot of interesting things didn't you
2: well yeah what were you working on dave so the main thing i was working on was a um a synthetic clay um that it looks like a little just a little bit of gel and um called laponite. and i was trying to use that to deliver growth factors so little bits of protein that are naturally occurring in the body and then they tell and why, why would itself. the clay help that why does it not put on the growth factor so so we people currently at the moment there's a there's a growth factor called bone morphogenetic protein and it, it it is used um in humans at the moment but you put it at the site and then within about a day um less than half what you initially put still remains there right so it doesn't stay at the site where you want it where does it, it go um we just it's a uh, water soluble so i think it just just gets drifts around everywhere in the body because the issue is when you're certainly if you're trying to apply something to bones you've got to remember that there's if you've broken a bone then there's a big blood clot there yeah and then the bones probably it's not absolutely stable if someone's moving around there are still some mechanical forces and then you've got lots of fluid forces like it's a kind of of way of just keeping um keeping a certain protein in and around a certain area absolutely so that's what i was working on and one of the Issues at the moment is that the doses that we're using of these growth factor are huge just because you know after a day half of it remains and it and it, it gets washed around very quickly so and with that large dose there are some side effects and it's also quite expensive so the rationale was that basically this clay is fairly sticky yeah. it kind of sticks to the broken bit and it holds the growth so it's factor kind of there. a slow release yeah so, so it's a, sl- a slower release and and at the site where you want it Right, ah, that's interesting. And so, did it work? Well, it worked in cells, and it worked on the on the small animal models we did. Right. So, in the in the um, mouse models and things that I did, and we're trying to kind of move to see whether we can use this uh, in humans. And how,
1: like, how long? I mean, so I'm a
2: chemist, right? So I don't understand these things. But how long
1: would it take? from say discovering something in the lab and then trying it on a mouse model through to that being you know potentially being used um, you know in a in a real clinical setting so, is that kind of a 2 year 10 year kind of like time I window? think
2: probably in between those two, okay. two two time periods so I think once you've done the sort of initial cell and animal work yeah. then my understanding of it is you'd have to um, apply essentially to the to the Medical Health and Regulations Authority to to get a license and then crazy parties (laughs) (laughs) so and then so you'd have to test that it isn't toxic sure and then then you'd have to apply for a license to do a a small-scale trial using
1: how often in those kind of so the attrition of those steps I always wonder this like so say it works great in mice it's brilliant every single time Mm. like you know they're healed faster quicker fewer side effects all these kind of things like how often is it, does it work in mice and not work in people? Because there's also the other way around, right? There could be all these things we're testing in mice that would work brilliantly in humans, but probably never get to that step because they fail at the mouse juncture, or, you know, or whatever. Yeah, I am I have to say, I'm not entirely
2: sure. I you think the attrition it. rate is huge. I think there's, there's a
0: couple of, there's a couple, the attrition rate for that is huge, like yeah, it's a very small percentage. Like 1% or something? Or
2: something like
0: that. Think, yeah, and there's a famous paper by a guy, and I forget his name now. He's an American. Um, with a Greek name, Greek Greek origin, yeah, and he published a paper saying why why, why most th- science it why why most results in biomedical sciences are wrong, <laughs> and he did a statistical study of it and right. he sort of proved using just statistics yeah. that they must be wrong. So right, um, and a lot of it is some of it is probably due to this difference because you you use a mouse as a because you need to test it in a mm. complex physiology sure. But at the same time, you can't do it in a person because it's it, it could be dangerous, right? Yeah. So you do it in a mouse. But often, what happens, and what I think is true, is that a lot of results are that scientists publish are probably kind of, if not made up, grossly exaggerated. Yeah. That's one part of it, and the other part of it is the species difference. So that's right. that's resulted in a big drive to try and do humanized experiments. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one idea is that you can make little pieces of human tissue in the, in dishes in the lab. So That's kind of the idea of tissue engineering, right. engineer human tissues. So like the goal will be to tiny piece of also,
1: to, in some respects, just not have to do those experiments
0: on, on animal models. And because,
1: you do them on small,
0: you do, yeah, you do them on human tissue, which yeah. is small. And there, there are other people researching ways to kind of make sort of sort of um simulate physiology and then they have little pieces of tissue in little containers yeah. and little tubes that run in between them like a blood supply they use a, a, a technology called microfluidics yeah. and these sort of ways of perfusing. and then the, you try Just and see a how in a jar. how if you give it to the liver how you know the liver affects the lung tissue and vice versa so when
1: skynet occurs and they build the terminator that's the type of thing that they'll cover the skeleton in
0: uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah so, you'll so, so you're laying down the <laughs> You're talking
1: book. about cyborgs. Well, you know like Arnie, he's got like he's covered in living tissue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that must have been developed in a in a bioengineering lab. Presumably, probably. yeah. So well, I think they're more so concerned making, about
0: making beef burgers at the moment. <laughs>
1: Uh, one step at a time
2: one step at a time so
0: Dave are you going to carry on doing research
2: I want to yeah so um, if anyone wants to fund me
0: (laughs) I'm currently uh,
2: (laughs) writing grant applications so hey
0: but it's interesting a lot how many of your colleagues do you reckon want to work in science is it like pretty minimal or is it like
2: um you mean clinical colleagues yeah so so, uh, I I would say virtually zero want to work in it full-time or predominantly full-time I think quite a few people are interested in. It's probably being because they involved. want nice houses and big cars.
0: Why do not you want a big car? Big yeah. cars, you? Well, hey. <laughs> but, <you're laughs> but no. Well, it's great to um, for you to drop in on us. Yes. Well, thanks so much. Thank you very much. It's no, really
2: no, interesting. It will, it's interesting. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for the invitation.
0: Well, you know, come back. I hope that clay gets into people's bones. I squirt a bit in my my knee, to be honest. Well, we could could give that a go. Great. OK, well, let's go in the kitchen now. Why do we need no. Patrick, Jishi. Oscar, Bane. Isaac, Newton. <laughs> Nick. Oh, it was good to see Dave, wasn't it? That's your mate Dave. Yeah, he's a uh, good not, guy. He's it's not, not con- a kind of normal. My, normally,
1: my mate Dave isn't uh, an orthopedic surgeon. No, <laughs> like no. It's quite an unusual mate Dave. He's a brought. very
0: um, non surgeon <laughs> He's surgeon. Really, it's really interesting.
1: It's very nice of him to come and talk to us about... about well, you say it's does.
0: really nice of him to come and talk to us, but he just crashed at my house last night. Yeah, I was
1: trying to, Randomly. Know, was trying to paint the picture there, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> he just broke the broke the fourth wall. Yeah, no, um, it's good. To, yeah, it's really interesting to chat to him. I I, I kind of think it's really interesting that like w- w- it just seems like such a short period that we've been doing these kind of routine operations, and they seem to be like, it just seems so it's a matter of fact now. It's just like having a cup of tea, just like having a knee, your knee washed in.
0: Well, it's like going to the dentist. Yeah. I mean, you, he was saying about um, having an epidural. Yeah. You know, you go in, they put a screen up, a few drills, sawing, stuff like that. And some, sometimes people can go home as, a you know, they're outpatient. That's amazing, isn't it? Have a hip replaced. You can have a hip replaced as an outpatient. Probably not a knee, but definitely a hip. That's amazing. Anyway, it was really good to chat to
1: him. Um, I hope everyone liked it. Um,
0: so do I, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we can get some more um, medical professionals at other times.
1: Yeah, maybe we, can, maybe we can slag him off
0: a little bit more. It's more funny when you start him. He, was, yeah. he
1: didn't feel like we could have a go at him.
0: No. Where are we going with this, Steve? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Yeah, that was great. So um, if you want to find out more um, about our lives, um, you can Twitter me. I'm at the Evans, and I'm
1: uh, Steve the chemist. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you next time.
0: Bye!